Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Coronavirus Podcast. My name's Adrian Goldberg and this time a view from Italy, whose death toll from COVID-19 is officially the worst in the world. So far the virus has cost more than 6,000 lives there, including 743 reported on the day that I'm recording this. The epicentre of the outbreak is in the north of the country, in Lombardy, whose biggest city is Milan. Through social media, I contacted Adriano, who lives there. As well as telling me what life is like there at the moment, he had strong criticism for the European Union and its financial safety blanket, the ESM, or European Stability Mechanism, which is designed to aid countries in crisis. Hi, my name is Adriano Caccamo, and uh, at the moment I live in Milan, uh, in Lombardy, in north of Italy. I work as uh, Head of Performance Marketing, which is basically digital marketing for e-commerce uh, companies from beauty and fashion. And I just arrived in uh, Milan five, six months ago before I used to live and work in uh, Arizona, United States, in France, in Paris, in Canada, Montreal, in Jamaica, in Africa and in Greece. And this is the first time, despite being Italian, that I work in Italy. Okay, but obviously, as people will hear from your accent, you are a a native-born Italian? Correct. Yes, I lived here till the age of 20. My parents are here. I still come back uh, to Italy twice a year to see them during Christmas and Easter and summer holidays. So 100% Italian. Milan is, I guess, the capital of Lombardy, which is the, the worst affected region from coronavirus. How does it feel in Lombardy at the moment? At the moment, uh, since last Saturday, we are forced to to follow this kind of semi-curfew uh, rule. Basically, we are allowed to go out only for buying food and only to go to the pharmacy. No other movements are allowed unless you need to go work in one of the strategic sec- uh, sectors, which is like energy fuel, or you're a doctor or a nurse, so you need to go to work in one of the supermarkets. It's not any longer allowed to go out for doing jogging or just taking a little walk to get a a bit of fresh air. That's not possible. And every time that you need to go out, you need to bring with you a piece of paper, which is filled with your own data and uh, uh, notifies that you know that there is a quarantine going on, uh, that you uh, don't have any virus, that you're not yourself quarantined because of the virus. And uh, you need to put where you're going if you're going to the supermarket or pharmacy. And if the police stops you, they will ask you the documents, they will sign you the document, uh, put the dates, and then you're free to go. Just in case another police comp- uh, police uh, car will stop you and, uh, and check again. And what is the punishment if you are outside without good reason? So at the moment, uh, these measures has been increasing in the last for the last uh, three weeks. Every time, every week, basically, there has been a new law stricting down the freedom of movement. Now the punishment is uh, about five thousand euros and up to twelve years of jail. But the funny thing is that yes, I mean you get twelve up to twelve years of jail, but that's hard to believe considering that nowadays the government is thinking about doing a law to free up some space in the prisons because the prisons in Italy are extremely crowded and when the crisis exploded there has been riots in a couple of prisons with uh, people also escaping and so it's a bit uh, I mean it's a bit uh, weird I mean on one side we are 
we have problems in the prison. So on the other side, if you don't respect the rules, they threat you to put you in prison. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I understand the dilemma. And obviously, uh, the Italians are very sociable people. It's a Mediterranean climate. How are people dealing with not being allowed outside routinely in the way that I know Italian people would do? Uh, it's a struggle for everybody. The main aspect is that people at the beginning, they try to socialize through the balcony. So in Italy, the main difference in architecture that they see between Italy and all the rest of the world, that in Italy there are many balconies. And I think it makes all the buildings just look nicer. That's something that I appreciate also in London architecture. There are quite a few balconies there. So now the balconies uh, are the new stage for people to talk with each other, get to know each other, because once again, you cannot take any contact with people, so you cannot any longer ring to the bell and talk with them. So people talk through the balconies. And what happens is that sometimes at 6 p.m. Uh, there used to be like a moment of gathering where everybody would go on the balcony and they would sing a song all together. But this thing is now has almost disappeared, only a few balconies, because despite Italians like to sing, etc., but... Uh, not everybody is a good singer, not everybody remembers the songs, uh, lyrics, and, and they cannot agree on what things to sing. The other interesting thing is uh, my parents and all the, the old people, they cope quite good. So we're talking about 70 plus years old people. I mean, they cope quite good with this problem. For them, is uh, still a struggle because they are not allowed to go out. But let's not forget that these people uh, survived the post-World War II era when there was nothing to eat and they could still uh, not freely move around because there were a lot of explosives around the, the city. So for them, it's not a big, uh, a big challenge. And, and they knew a real big crisis in the history. For my generations, this is the first thing that looks like a bit out of the ordinary and, and it's a bit strange. Yeah, so maybe psychologically it is the younger people who are finding it more difficult to adapt to these very strange circumstances. Correct. And in the UK at the moment, we have some kind of lockdown. But, for example, construction workers, builders are still allowed to do their job. In London, there has been a reduction in public transport, but we've seen pictures of, as a result, people being packed closely together on public transport. So, the total lockdown that you have at the moment, or near total lockdown, isn't something that we have experienced yet. Do you think it is inevitable that we will have to follow your path? I don't know. I have no idea. Every week the measures have been tightening and tightening on the freedom. Since last Saturday, construction sites have been shut down. And so not even construction workers can any longer go to work. There are a couple of things that are really strange and they don't add up. And uh, there are other uh, hidden agenda that are going on and they're building on the, uh, this moment of chaos uh, where, let's not forget that uh, people are not allowed to go to work, uh, but the member of the parliament, they still can go to the parliament. However, there has not been a, a huge parliament activity in the last months. Uh, and at the same time, Italy is uh, in conversation for some big economic measures that have not directly been approved by the parliament. Uh, and somebody might think that this is a little bit of a coup in Italy. So I don't know if you are interested in hearing more about that as well. Or Yes, I, well, tell me more. I'm very interested in that. What exactly do you mean? Basically, in Europe now, there is a lot of debate about the ESM, which is the European Stability Mechanism. 
which is uh, a fund where each European country uh, should uh, invest their own money in order one day, if there is a problem, to receive the money from this uh, fund. The funny thing is, like, uh, Italy is going to give, like, if they sign this thing, they need to get out within 10 days something like 100 billion euros. That's, I think, crazy in my opinion. But the funny thing is that if tomorrow there's going to be a problem and we're going to ask this ESM fund, European fund, the money to deal with our problems, they are going to lend us back our own money and we need to pay the interest and we need to follow the rules of conditionality on this money, etc. This is nonsense. And some people in Italy are realizing that this is just uh, the last act of the European Union to tackle down on Italy. And uh, somebody might also think that the coronavirus is being exaggerated or uh, exploited in order to push this agenda and force somebody without the consent of the parliament, uh, which is our prime minister, which has been not dealing very professionally with this matter. And I cannot say the same about uh, Boris Johnson. I think uh, he still uh, showed some measures that, uh, if I'm not wrong, in UK, the government is going to provide 80% of the salary to all people uh, working in restoration or similar jobs that, uh, that are going to be shut down. In Italy, we don't have anything like that. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that then. So, yes, in the UK, if you are employed with a full-time job and you are placed in furlough, effectively laid off, the government has undertaken to pay 80% of your salary for the time that you are furloughed. In Italy, is there any provision for people who are not earning as a result of coronavirus? From a point of view of marketing communication, uh, there are some announcements, uh, but tangible, nothing has been done and nothing is going to be done by law yet. So we'll have to see. The government say that they're going to mobilitate uh, 25 billion euros, uh, but we just heard that Germany is talking about 500 billion euros. The interesting part is that, like... Uh, as soon as the coronavirus and this emergency is going to end, I think there are going to be some changes in the Italian population feeling about the European Union. At the moment, we are not receiving any help at all from the European Union, but that doesn't surprise me because I just need to see what the European Union did to Greece when they were in need of help. And so I hope the other Italians are going to realize at the end of this crisis that the European Union is not help for our country, but is a a problem. And I would ju just like to mention that Italy now has received concrete help only from Russia, which had to fly a plane with uh, doctors and medical equipment through Sochi because they were not allowed to fly over some of European countries like Ukraine, etc. From China, which they sent 300 doctors, and from Cuba, which sent 50 doctors. So far, no help from France and Germany that are nearby. Uh, Nobody is really helping us. Well, this is really interesting, uh, Adriano. I read an article in a respected UK newspaper called the Financial Times, and they were quoting an Italian academic who made similar points to you, saying that during the financial crisis, Italy did not feel that the European Union acted as a union in the interests of poorer countries or more stricken countries like Italy, and again, in this case of coronavirus, the feeling in Italy is that the European Union has not acted in solidarity with Italy. It's correct. Uh, I am quite passionate about these topics uh, because it comes from my education. When I was younger, I studied for interpreter and translation as interpreter and translator. And I used to study in the university all the documents and all the laws of the European Union. And that got me one of my first jobs in consulting in an American company because I know so well 
all the things about the political laws, economies, and how the European Union works, uh, that I could help them with some consul consulting job. The interesting thing is that after this crisis ends, is what is going to happen with the most important aspect of the European Union, which is not the freedom of the workers across the countries, uh, is the freedom of the capitals across the countries, which end up in uh, pushing down the salaries, uh, because I'm always able to relocate uh, my factory somewhere else, or there is always... Uh, a poor country that is going to join the European Union within two, three years where we can relocate our factories. So after this problem ends and people realize that the European Union didn't help us and they realize that there has been the euro currency is actually going to create a lot of problems in Italy starting to recovering because we cannot print our own money. We cannot uh, lower our currency to devaluate our currency to relaunch our exports. So people will realize that we lost uh, three aspects of sovereignty which are extremely important, which is not the case of the uh, UK. And I'm a big fan, I'm a fellow UK, fellow English, Anglo-American uh, lover. I like their country and their way of system. And I was sure that at the first occasion, UK would have bought themselves out of the European Union because this is just a house of crazy people that uh, are, are doing competition with each other, not uh, making some rules, but don't apply the rules to themselves and apply the rules to only somebody that they want. So I would make an, an announcement to my friends from UK that I read in the news people are panicking because the British pound is devaluating. But that's exactly the role of the devaluation is to help the country in a moment of struggle to keep uh, up the competition in terms of export because your goods are going to cost less. And people from UK export more in the other countries. They import less because people from UK uh, find harder to pay for foreign goods when uh, uh, they're going to result much expensive. And so that translates in the creation of more jobs in your own country. So I hope that after this experience in Italy, the European uh, Union is going to more or less collapse and go back to what used to be before 92. And Italy is going to regain back its currency because with our currency, we were the number four potential industry in the world. And now we're losing uh, steps on step. And now I think we are 10 or 12 and we're getting past from. Uh, countries like Brazil, India, and things like that. Okay. Uh, and Adriel, I just want to explore this ESM. So this is a new fund that is being set up to help countries within the EU at times of trouble. And you're saying that the feeling in Italy is that Italy is going to have to pay into this fund. And when the money comes out to Italy in the form of aid, Italy will then have to pay interest on it. It will have to meet certain conditions. But it would be better, in your view, for Italy just to hold on to its own money and spend on its own population at a time of trouble like this. Exactly. It's as simple as you said. It needs to be mentioned that this is the version two of the ESM treaty. We are already kind of inside the first treaty. They just want to upgrade to the second treaty with new conditionality in case you want to ask for your money uh, so this is the version 2, which changes from the version 1, that now we would have to give 100 billions within 10 days. I repeat that. That's crazy. And the problem is that if you, okay, you accept this treaty, you give the money, then you ask back the money, and you need to give back with the interest, etc., you need to follow a certain rule of conditionality, which is nothing more than what the Troika did in, in uh, Greece, which is forcing them, oh, you want more money because you can't repay your debt. Okay, we can give you more money. But you need to privatize all your airports and ports. 
And guess what? Now you also need to make the first house can't be any longer protected. So if you can't repay, people need to sell their house and they can get evicted from their own home, which is, I think is a human right to have at least your first home. And then you need to reduce the number of people that work in your hospital and nurse and doctors. You need to cut, you need to privatize, cut and privatize. The fun thing is like uh, to face this uh, crisis, we need money. We should print our own money like every other country in the world is going to do. We can't. We will end up asking money and we'll get up in debt with this money to reinforce our hospital um, healthcare system, which, by the way, is one of the best in the world, along with uh, France, Switzerland, the UK, Singapore, Australia, and Canada. And uh, to, to what? To hire more doctors and build more hospitals. And then they're going to ask, okay, if you want more money now that you did that, you need to cut. So now you need to close hospitals and, uh, and fire nurses and nuns. Let's not forget that Italy now has 5,000 intensive therapy seats. Uh, we used to add 8,000 back in the 90s, and we'll be cutting down and in the sp- under the spending review because it's been dictated by European letters, which is part of our politicians that maybe are not very uh, uh, strict to follow the national interest, but they're maybe they're following other interests. And so we have been losing hospitals, places in the hospitals, in intensive therapy, nurses, doctors, and uh, and then the crisis arrives and you're not prepared like this. And Adriani, do Italians have a theory as to why the Lombardy region has been particularly hard hit? I I don't I'm not sure. So in Lombardy there are so many cases because there is high density of population and we didn't control it at uh, till now, because we didn't start to do the controls. After we started to do the controls, uh, we find out that there were the cases. Uh, but that happens w- within day and night. Uh, are the other countries do doing so many controls like Italy? Are they, if somebody goes to them with the symptoms, they want to be tested? Are they testing them or they're sending them at home? Good question. Yeah, I, I don't know, obviously. And I just wonder, is is there a sense then in Milan, obviously a very sophisticated city, a very modern European city. But is there a sense now of fear or of panic in the city about contracting coronavirus? I can't speak for myself and my family. I don't know about the others because if you can talk. I mean, I talk only with my families and my relatives and not with other people. I'm sure there are people out there that are panicking and they're scared because you can see that from social media comments, if that's some kind of... Uh, an indicator of uh, truth, I don't know. On my side, I'm scared, uh, not for myself at all, because I'm young, I don't have any immunodepression problems or respiratory problems. I'm strong and healthy, so I'm not scared about myself. I'm scared about my parents, because they're 70 plus years old. And if I'm going to lose my parents because of such a stupid virus like this, for a situation that could have been controlled, and we could have had more ventilators and things like that, I'm not only going to be scared, I'm going to be super upset in terms of uh, taking action legal against the country, because they could have just put in quarantine the first person to just uh, stop the, the situation at the beginning, but they didn't, didn't do it. And they jumped on a political correct campaigns where part of the political parties in Italy were calling for uh, putting quarantine every be- everybody that is coming back from China, because in China there was, in February, there was the Chinese New Year, so many people fly back there and then they come back around the end of, February for uh, going back to their work in Italy. And people were saying, just put them in quarantine. This is nonsense. Why? We're going to risk to put everybody in quarantine for not putting just 115 people or 200 people or many are 1,000, 2,000 in quarantine for 
for 15 days. And they say, no, let's not do that. Hug a Chinese, don't be scared by Chinese, it's not a virus. So they move the discussion from being logic and being wise and mitigating the risks. They move the conversation from that and they accused everybody that was mentioning about this to be racist. When sometimes it was the same Chinese uh, themselves that they were coming back from China and they were putting themselves in quarantine. So the solution is like, uh, it's like when we face this problem with this cancer of nowadays that is being politically correct, we're going to be doomed because then there are crises like this that are going to erupt. And you think that the Italian government should and could have acted earlier? Yes, I'm confident they should have. But uh, I feel good because I see that none of the other countries in the world, France, Germany, UK, or US uh, acted uh, on time like uh, like Italy. Everybody is reacting late. So that makes me feel a bit better about uh, our government at the end is still human because no other countries have shown to deal better with it. Okay, Adriano, that's great. Thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you too. Thank you. Have a nice day. That's Adriano's story. And don't forget, if you've got a coronavirus story that you want to share with me, then you can email goldbergradio at gmail.com. Thanks very much indeed for listening and stay safe.